0: My guest today is Anna Balagtas. She is a queer, Pinay, femme, radical birth worker, educator, facilitator, energy worker, and pleasure advocate. Anna is the founder of Pocket Doula and supports emerging birth workers in radicalizing their practice through heart-centered mentorships, facilitations, and community organizing. She houses her practice under the decolonization of birthwork and transformative queer care. Her deepest joys come from witnessing her communities thrive through community care, mutual aid, and abolition work. If you are new to this podcast, my name is Jamie Panetta. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a queer non-binary trans person. And my ancestors are Tagalog and Chinese. I am also a practitioner of Helot and Chinese medicine. I offer my services in person at Fruit Camp in Baltimore, Maryland, as well as virtually. Now let's get on with our show. Okay, welcome, Anna. It's so good to finally talk with you. I think we've been, like, lurking on each other's social media a little. <laughs>
1: sending likes, sending hearts here and there.
0: <laughs> uh, so there's there's so many things I want to talk with you about, but I'll try to keep my questions, like, fairly contained. I mean... We were having our little check-in right before here and talking about food and we're Filipino and we got really excited and I was like, yes. we can also just do an episode that is only about <laughs> Filipino food um, and that could be like, you know, six hours long. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about doula work, birth work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I start asking you the serious questions, how are you doing today?
1: I am well, I am fed, I am happy, I am currently sipping my chocolate milk that came from the Philippines as we're talking about food. Like yesterday, I did a huge haul of Filipino food in preparation for this talk because I was like, take in the culture, we're going to hang out with some cool Filipino people tomorrow, take it in.
0: So I was asked if you had Milo or if you had Ovaltine. team.
1: We do love that Milo life. We do. We do. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember when I went to the Philippines when I was a kid, like I asked for, for Milo and then when I got it, whatever mix they had given me was the kind without sugar. No, that's and I was like I was like so confused. I was like, wait, why does this taste like it doesn't taste like anything? It doesn't taste, it's terrible. And I just I didn't know I had never had the kind that you like add sugar to. Yes. And I, you know, I was expecting it to taste like Ovaltine because that's what my grandma gave me in the States. Yes.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Betrayal. I'm
1: so sorry that that did happen to you. And that's that's sad in in all parts of the way. It's very sad.
0: (laughs) I've been trying to recover that from that my entire life. But (laughs) moving on. (laughs) So so let's ask, let's talk about, let's talk about birth work. Um, Yes. Uh, So you're a doula, you do a lot of birth work, and Mm -hmm. I want to know what working with you as a doula is like.
1: Yeah, good question. So I think working with me as a doula, um, I'd like to think that it's very fun. I like to think that it feels familial in a way. Um, So how I go about my work is... I work outside of a scope of practice and for folks who are listening who are not quite sure what a scope of practice looks like for a doula, it basically says that if you are working as a doula, you can't work as anything else. So if you are a doula, You can't also be an herbalist. You can't also be an educator. You can't also be a massage therapist. Like, you can't be any of these things. You can only ever be that person who supports someone through labor, birth, whatever. So, I don't (laughs) live by that life because I think that doula work is a combination of putting together all parts of yourself and all parts of your intersections within your work because doula work is life's work. So of course, I'm going to bring all of these parts that inform me of who I am to informing how working with you is going to be like because if I know how to make my way through a kitchen, I'm going to cook you all of these wonderful foods. If I know how to massage you so good, I'm going to do that because that's helpful for you and it's also bringing parts of me into, into our space together. So working with me as a doula means that we are going to be confronting a lot of these like norms, I guess, that we we see that doulas are supposed to be quote unquote professional. And sometimes being professional kind of means that you're cold or you're not able to be vulnerable because you're not able to share parts of yourself with your clients. But I, I don't live by that. Like I'm so vulnerable with my clients and that's only because they're so vulnerable with me. Like I'm literally in the most vulnerable transition in your life. The most I can do is show you the same, is to be vulnerable back with you. And that's how we can form that familial connection.
0: Mm-hmm. That, okay. So when you were talking about that, it kind of, I don't know if you saw my facial reaction, but I was like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> if you're gonna be if you're going to be a doula, you can't do anything else. And to me, as like a healthcare practitioner um, who does Chinese medicine, who does Filipino medicine, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do everything in your toolbox Mm -hmm. that that is required of that person or like to to treat that person? That's like kind of blows my mind that that is so compartmentalized if you're doing doula work in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, related to what you were talking about before, can you um, clarify, like, if someone is doing more of a mainstream approach Mm. um, as a practicing doula, like, what does that look like compared to how you work?
1: Yeah, what a great question. So this really also depends on where you've trained, right? So I'm very wary that there are whitewashed and capitalist doula trainings out there and what these doula trainings are are they like to protect who they are as organization rather than uplift the birth workers who are coming within their organization and so mainstream doulas they don't know any better because these are like the biggest doula trainings that you've probably heard of. And they put this scope of practice as a liability clause, right? The reason why people have scope of practices is so that in case someone gets in trouble, in case there's a lawsuit, they can kind of wash their hands away from that and be like, oh, you know, it's not within my scope. I can't help you there. I can't help you do that. Um, So what I found with mainstream doulas is that they are working so closely tied to the systems that actually harm the clients that we're supposed to serve. And it actually harms themselves too because you can't put yourself on on what your practice should be. Like you can't put your whole self into it. And for for them, it's that's really discouraging. Like that's really sad that you're not able to do that because you just signed a clause basically to say that you're protecting these organizations rather than wanting to uplift yourself.
0: Thank you for that i definitely mm-hmm. see parallels to that in um the fields that i work in too mm-hmm. um, so we were talking about filipino food earlier um and so this is also a little bit related to that but how has living in diaspora as filipino person informed your work
1: yeah Ooh, um so i'll start it off by saying that living in diaspora is really painful um and the way that i think living in diaspora has informed my work is because living in diaspora feels like being in constant transition um <clears throat> i feel like i'm moving in the space of like in between and not not feeling so closely tied to Canadian culture, but also feeling so far away from Filipino culture, like that's really heartbreaking and it's isolating and sometimes it's really difficult to navigate. And so knowing this, I feel that people who are coming to me are also coming from a place of deep transition, right? So whether that's the transition of parenthood, whether that's the transition of death, or like literally any transition in your reproductive life, that can be really scary and isolating and difficult. And so I feel my work is informed because I understand the ways in which comfort most times for us who are in this space of in-between just looks like witnessing It just looks like active listening or simply asking someone like, how best can I support you right now? And I know that no one can fix the feelings of isolation and sadness of living in diaspora for me the same ways I can't fix the feelings of my clients who are also experiencing discomfort um, or pain by being in this reproductive transition. But I know the power of being witnessed and so I offer the same for my clients as I wish is being offered to me as I'm living in this transition of diaspora.
0: That's beautiful to hear. Thank you. It yeah. um, it like brings to mind a renegotiating of what a patient-provider relationship can be in that you're not necessarily an expert. You're not necessarily... Mm-hmm fixing anybody like nobody's necessarily broken yes Um, like it's not always about problem solving Mm -hmm. right like you're there um alongside someone rather than like you are are treating someone you're repairing someone
1: yeah I love that shift of language too I never liked it when doctors would be like this is how I'm gonna treat you it's like no how are you gonna support me like I know Mm -hmm. the ways in which my body will feel better. I just need you to support me on that. Not that you need to fix me because I'm quote unquote broken to you, you know?
0: Yeah. For my next question, what have you found most challenging and most rewarding about being the pocket doula?
1: Ooh, great question. Um so the two of these things relate um the most challenging thing that i felt with pocket doula was when i first started i found that most people who found my content or my offerings were mostly white folks and families with money <laughs> like lots of money and i had a lot of trouble with this because i knew in my heart of hearts these were not the people i wanted to prioritize supporting and i fully believe that everyone deserves support everyone deserves support but i believe that white folks already have plenty of this right and i wanted to cater more to by pgm um, black indigenous and people of the M- global majority folks and caring for our kin instead and so as pocket Doula grew I started becoming really loud in my content and in my offerings, saying that birth work was political, and this work is decolonial, and specifically mentioning that I'm prioritizing supporting by PGM folks, and making sure that there was access financially or otherwise. Um, and that's when I started seeing more and more of our kin showing up asking for support. And that for me was the biggest reward. Like the challenge was, oh my gosh, so many white folks, not really my thing. But then as we grew, it was like, okay, here's my kin. Like this is actually where I want to be. And that felt so good.
0: <laughs> I have a follow-up question to that. Um, mm-hmm. Were you ever told by, by your teachers or other um, doula colleagues, like, if you want to work with this group, Like, you have to see white folks. You have to see people with money. Like, I've I've been told that. Like, you can't work with queer and trans folks of color, queer and trans folks of the global majority, because you won't make any money. You have to see rich people.
1: Yes. Yes. I was – it wasn't specifically that – It only had to be white folks. But I was told that in order for me to be successful as a doula, I needed to cater to people who could actually afford my services. And like, it's such a catch-22 because yes, birth work should be fully paid for. Like we, uh, this work is, uh, so much of our labor goes into it, right? And a lot of that labor is either, Underpaid um, or not paid at all, and so I totally believe that we are getting that sh- money when we can because we deserve it. But at the same time, not everyone that we want to be able to support has access financially. So how do you marry the two? How do you find that compromise in between? So yeah, I have been told, like, you know, if you're gonna be this radical doula, da da da, you're never gonna make money. And I'm like, watch
0: me. <laughs> Watch me, please. I can and mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> yeah. It really requ- – I mean, I'm still on my journey on that. And it, it like – being told no, I think, is really – one, it's a disservice to our communities. And then two, it discounts our ability to think creatively beyond capitalist mm-hmm. structures. It, yeah. like, it like – if you believe that, you believe there wasn't anything prior to capitalism. Yeah. Which is bullshit because capitalism isn't that old.
1: No. Colonization
0: is also not that old compared to Mm -hmm. like all of human history.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And way before this, like if we think about even us as Filipinos, the way that we had lived was full of community culture, community care, mutual aid. And who's to say that we can't also bring this back into this colonized world, right? In in our work of decolonization – we have to go back to our roots of what our our life looked like before colonization and then bringing that back. And so for us, it's not a means of, oh, you're not going to make any money because these are the people you want to support. It's how do I still live comfortably? It's not that I need to be rich. It's just that I need to be sustained. How can I be sustained and still serve my community? Because I am rich in so many ways that isn't just financially.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't mind being like a little bit rich. <laughs> I am a triple Libra, so I do like shiny things and like luxurious things. So I would like to be like comfortable plus.
1: Yes, you know. <laughs> I be totally believe plus? you. I totally see you. I hear you. I am also a Libra moon, so I'm just like, mm, velvet. Oh,
0: that fur I looks so good. See you so with your gold earrings. <laughs> I see you with your gold earrings. They're like huge hooves with little danglies inside.
1: (laughs) I live lavishly, frivolously, but still thinking of community, but looking good while doing it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know like the Philippines is, I think, one of the hugest deposits of gold in the world. I think it's like the second largest. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. There's like a ton of gold in the Philippines. And... If you look at, like, records of how we dressed and how we took care of our bodies and adorned ourselves, there is gold <sighs> everywhere. Like, we have always been luxurious and fancy and beautiful. Oh, my like, that, God. That so it's is a birthright. Like, <laughs> it is a birthright to be fucking cute. <laughs> you know? And to feel yourself. Like, we have, like, have you seen, like, pictures of, of like, f- like ancient Filipino traditional dentistry Were they like, they like gold plate their teeth? What? Yeah. It's a thing.
1: (gasps) I didn't know that.
0: Like we were always bejeweled.
1: Oh my God. So if I decide to get a gold tooth, I'm just going to say, I'm just coming back to my roots, you know, as you do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look it up. Look, look at how we adorned ourselves. Also. Quick shout out to Samante Cruz, who's releasing their line of Ling Ling o nose rings. <gasps> oh, my God. And other jewelry. They're they're um, a non-binary queer Filipinx located on the west coast of Canada. That they're a jeweler. <gasps> they do lots of cool shit. Um, so just quick shout out to Samante Cruz.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Samante Cruz, out. you are yeah. going to see. Um, an order for me very very soon. I know.
0: They <laughs> came cool. out with their with their linglingo nose ring and I was like buy immediately. <laughs> Add to cart. I need that. It is it is for my own decolonization. I need that.
1: <laughs> this is a business expense actually.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um well this leads really nicely into my next question, which is, what are your dreams for birth work as it relates to decolonizing?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my dream for us to decolonize this work is to essentially, and very simply, bring it back in the hands of community. Um, I am really reimagining futures in where medical hierarchies, medical systems organizations are no longer in place like I am all about for abolishing the cops but also that looks like abolishing the systems that have funded the cops right and so when I'm thinking about decolonization I'm thinking about ways that we can serve our community through mutual aid through community support through knowledge sharing instead of having to go to university college for 5 6 years to just get a piece of paper why can we not just share this knowledge so that we can care for each other and then also pulling from ancestral knowledge too because that has informed us for years and years and years like eons and now we're here like what what was the turn where we we're like let's make money off of people knowing shit like why why can't we just talk about it why can't we just share this is this not the best way of decolonizing is to just share access. So that is that is my dreams of decolonizing birth work is through that sharing of access and just giving out the resources when you can and when it's sustainable for you.
0: part of the episode where we do our community shout out. So um, I would love to know what BIPOC group or individual you would like to uplift for a community shout out. And earlier you used a different term than BIPOC. Could Mm. you break that down for me again?
1: Yes, I use BIPGM, which is Black, Indigenous, and People of the Global Majority.
0: Great. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I don't like it that we we often are using language that makes us seem like not everywhere.
1: Yeah, right. Or like,
0: or, or like numerically marginalized, and like we are. Yeah, everywhere. there it is. Mm-hmm.
1: And it also still centers whiteness as the norm. Like people mm-hmm. of color. Instead of what the baseline is people and people are white? Like, no. We're people of the global majority because there's much more of us. Um, white people are not the dominant people on this world. And so we should name it as, as it is, that people of the global majority are out there and we are running shit.
0: We are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't try to take our things.
1: Right. It's so shiny. So new. Of course it is. It's because we made it. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyways, what group or individual would you like us to know about? um, Perhaps redistribute resources to.
1: Yes. So I would love to give a shout out to um, two by PGM folks who are in my mentorship right now. Their names are Tasha and Marianne. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing me the privilege of witnessing you through your practice and seeing yourselves move as radical and decolonial birth workers is such a proud moment for me. It's, it, it really is such a privilege for me. And so you can find Tasha at Nexus Community Birthwork. Um, or Nexus Community Care, and you can find Marianne at um, Atinkamai, which is like our hands in Tagalog, and so that's how you can find them, uplift their work, tell them they're doing great, they are amazing, and if you are in and around their area, hire them. Give them that shmoney.
0: (laughs) Where are they? Where are they located?
1: (laughs) So Marianne is, mm, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember where in the States, Um, I think somewhere in either the West Coast. And Tasha is actually in Canada, in Ontario, in a small town called Kingston.
0: Awesome. What words of wisdom do you have for folks either aspiring to do birth work or folks who are interested in hiring a doula?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The two really connect for me. So what I want to say to aspiring birth workers and also to folks who want to hire a doula is that I just want to remind you that you are deserving of transform, transformative and radical support um, no matter where you're landing in your journey and that there's 100% someone out there who can and will meet your needs wherever you are and you deserve support that feels loving to you that feels good in both your mind and your body and it feels like a big body yes and if you don't know where to start you can ask me
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking for a fuck yes <laughs> and if you're like and it's not a fuck yes and you're kind of like confused, people should reach out to you.
1: Yes. And then I okay. can say, I can help you, or I can redirect you to someone who can, and maybe they will feel like a hell yes in your body.
0: <laughs> so um, for folks who want to reach out to you, what is the best way to do that?
1: Yes, the best way is to find me on Instagram. That is where I am most active. Um, I am at pocket doula. If you want to check out my services and my offerings, I also do workshops and and trainings. You can find that at yourpocketdoula.com. And lastly, I also have a Patreon. So if you like monthly newsletters, if you like monthly resource recommendations, you can find me at Patreon, also
0: at Pocket Doula. Awesome. Um, any workshops or any events that are coming up that you want to let us know about? Yes,
1: I am hosting my very, very last live workshop of Ating Bahay, which is um, it's support for emerging radical birth workers who don't really know how to begin or don't really know how to start radicalizing and decolonizing decolonizing their practice um I think Baha'i is gonna be on September 24th which I believe is a Saturday so if you want to catch it live for the last time come come
0: all right thank you so much for being here for just sharing your thoughts sharing your stories talking about food with me (laughs) it's been so much fun
1: Thank you so much for having me. And literally anytime, anytime we can be loud, proud about Filipino food, I am here.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. The next eight-week QT BIPOC Qigong course is going to start on October 2nd. These classes are sliding scale and virtual, so you can join in anywhere you have internet access. If this calls to you, head to my website to register. I often do have partial and full scholarships available. Um, If you're thinking, wow, this is awesome, how do I support this even if I'm not participating? Join my Patreon. Funds from Patreon go to scholarships for this course, as well as captions for this podcast. As some of you know, my origins in medicine came from working in the nonprofit world in ways that led to extreme burnout. This has shaped how I practice medicine and how I continue to care for myself as a queer trans autistic brown person. On October 22nd, I am collaborating with Kuan McCann, creator of Build With and Be More Bata, on a workshop called burnout or burn bright early bird registration is available throughout september so hurry up and get in there we are moving from late summer into fall this is a great time to check out my five phase zine series these scenes contain elemental magic and tips on how to live in alignment with the seasons for better health for more info on zines, my work, or my events, sign up for my mailing list or check out my website at jamie-pineta-lac.com. Maraming salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. Music is by Ambroheda, Heda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Kuan McCann for audio engineering all of the episodes. Last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat!